Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the preview show ahead of Bayern Munich's big match against FC Augsburg. Big match, of course, because it is the second Bundesliga match of the season, so they are all important at this stage. Bayern wants to get out on a good foot. They want to get a quick start in the league, not fall behind, not throw away any points that they definitely should get. Augsburg will be visiting the Allianz Arena. This is not a dangerous Augsburg side, although there are a couple of players that Bayern fans will probably want to keep an eye out on. This is definitely a match Bayern Munich should win. But as always, the Bavarians have a little bit going on off the field and might not be 100% ready for this. So we'll see how they handle some of the things that are going on. And uh, we will get into all of that. But first, let's recap a little bit about where things stand with Bayern Munich and what is going on in the Bundesliga. Bayern, of course, big 4-0 victory last week over Werder Bremen. It was a much closer game than that score would indicate. Uh, just an overall brilliant game from Harry Kane. I think we saw some of the best work from Alfonso Davies in quite a long time. Leroy Sané looked like that dangerous presence that many fans always thought he would be. It's kind of been in and out over the course of his Bayern Munich career for Sané. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he is okay. Uh, other times he's bad. Uh, right now, this does look like a situation in playing with Harry Kane that's going to be able to maximize what you can get out of players like Sané and Serge Gnabry, who are better at scoring, I would say, as wingers than they are at setting people up. Uh, Kingsley Coman, in my mind, is more of a player who is disruptive and can create offense for others, whereas Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané are more about putting the ball in the net, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I felt like last week Bayern Munich also got another steady dose of where Jamal Musiala is in terms of his development as a player. It's been a drop-off. Uh, let's be honest. It's not been great for him. Uh, last week, he forced a lot of things, and I thought that was very disappointing to see. When I know it's difficult when you're trying to work in a player like Kane, who is not just a fantastic scorer, but immeasurably unselfish. He's a player that is truly looking out for the best of the team at all times. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, of course, it wasn't always concerned about creating for others, but Lewandowski was great in a different kind of way. I felt like when he needed to create, he absolutely could. But Kane seems a little bit more open to that kind of situation. Both great players uh, still kind of rate Lewandowski a little higher, uh, current form uh, notwithstanding. But Kane is looking like he's going to be a perfect fit for what Bayern needed uh, last year, honestly. I mean, if, if Kane would have been able to uh, be brought in last season, I think we would have seen some really terrific things under Julian Nagelsmann, but that did not happen. Of course, now with Kane, uh, Byron has a new look, a new feel, a new confidence, and this is a good squad. One of the other things that we did see that looked great was the midfield, uh, the much maligned midfield, the midfield without a true number six, according to Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka looked really, really good together. Uh, I think when we see Kimmich and Goretzka, a lot of people tend to focus on some of the games where they're off. And yes, there have been times over the course of the last couple of seasons where they have not been aligned. Uh, they have not functioned well playing together. Kimmich, of course, in my mind, was probably more at fault than Goretzka because Kimmich's role 
while being defined as the six was not something he was fully embracing, which creates that imbalance and creates a lot of chaos and also draws the ire of the fan base. Goretzka, for whatever reason, while he has not been great all the time, has become the whipping boy. So it was good to see him go out and play like that. I was not impressed by Conrad Limer and what he brought to the team uh, during the preseason. I like Limer as a player. I think he can still offer a lot to Bayern Munich. Did question why they would have brought him in at a starting level player with a starting level salary to be the third wheel. As it turns out, I was not envisioning this properly because Thomas Tuchel, despite the fact he did not campaign to bring in Limer, he absolutely was trying to make Limer a starter. Uh, we'll see what happens this week against Augsburg. But one little tidbit that Tuchel did let out was that uh, he used Goretzka because Goretzka was bigger and physically stronger against a very strong physically uh, Werder Bremen side. So we'll see how it goes against Augsburg. I'm kind of thinking we are going to see Limer just because I don't think Tuchel wants Goretzka to ride too high. And I know that sounds counterproductive to having a good team, but I just don't think that Tuchel likes Goretzka. And I think if he had his druthers, he wouldn't play him at all. But this is a situation where none of the midfielders have looked overly great. And you kind of have to ride the two that have been best. And in my mind, that would be Goretzka and Kimmich, probably in that order. I know that's blasphemy, but Kimmich has not been what he was supposed to be over the last probably six to eight months. And I think that he still has a lot of good stuff to offer. I think he also needs to recalibrate a little bit, get himself back in check and remember what he's good at and what is best for the team. Uh, defensively, like I said, we saw great stuff out of Davies. Uh, the center back duo of Kim Min Jae and Diopa Makano was pretty good. Thought Upa Makano was better than Kim Min Jae. I uh, was not always super impressed with Kim Min Jae. I thought of the three center backs that played. Of course, Matthijs Delict came in for a very, very good substitution spell. Uh, Kim Min Jae did struggle a little bit, but we know he's battling his fitness, and we know that Delict was also uh, coming back from an injury. So I guess it was. The best option to play Kim Min Jae didn't think that he was able to handle Nicholas Fulkrug all that well, but first game in the Bundesliga, not in the best shape. Uh, he admits that. Uh, expect that to improve just like Matthijs De Ligt did last year. Upa Makano was steady. I uh, don't have really have a problem with any of the defenders. I don't even have a problem with Kim Min Jae, honestly. thought, you know, Nicholas Fulkrug is a little bit underrated. I think he can get a lot of defenders uh, problems. So even with Kim Min Jae not fully being able to handle full Krug all the time, I still thought it was a good performance. So I didn't really have too big of an issue. Sven Ulreich, of course, picked up the clean sheet. So heading into this, Bayern Munich is 1-0, obviously. FC Augsburg did, Augsburg did earn a draw, which is pretty impressive considering it was a 4-4 draw against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Who would have thought you would see those two teams combined for eight goals on opening weekend, but here we are. Uh, Augsburg, amazingly, took 20 shots, seven on target, and possessed the ball 50, 57% of the time, while also completing 84% of their passes. That included 479 of them. So this was a rather strong effort from FC Augsburg. Uh, they are a team that should not be that good this season. But as we have seen before in the Bundesliga, teams that come in with that kind of 
reputation of perhaps it being on the bubble of relegation. Sometimes they are able to rally around a team concept and make something happen. This is not a roster filled with, with brand name players, uh, to say the least. Uh, we do, you know, you will as a as a fan of the Bundesliga recognize some of them. A couple of players I'd I'd really want to talk about, and I'm not going to go at length on them. Uh, Mergen Barisha has been a player that has given Bayern Munich some problems in the past. Uh, he is uh, obviously a strong attacker and someone who has a, a track record against Bayern. So that's always something to look out for. Barisha, I would say, has a, uh, a a good chance to be impactful in this match, but I don't believe that uh, this is going to be uh, another example of a game where Augsburg is able to control possession by about 57%. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Uh, when we talk about, you know, the strengths of Augsburg, you want to... <laughs> You really want to talk about their attack right now uh, because they did come off of scoring four goals. But, uh, you know, this is also a team that lost to uh, Unterhacking 2-0 in the Day of Bay Pokal. So uh, clearly they have a lot of work to do. Another name you might recognize, and I'm not even saying this because uh, it's, it's, you know, he's going to make an impact. He didn't even suit up last week for the Bundesliga opener, but he did play 61 minutes against Unterhaking. It was Arn Meyer. Uh, and the reason I bring him up is because he always is an interesting case to me. He is a player who a lot of people were pointing to at one point to be one of Germany's next big midfielders, someone that was going to be able to come and fill that gap of players who would be needed after Tony Kroos, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, um, <laughs> Mazut Ozil and some of those players, when they started to be phased out, I think Arn Meyer was someone that was was on the radar at one point to be a part of that midfield group. Unfortunately, his career did not develop as many had thought. So he is, uh, you know, a, a rotational guy really at Augsburg these days. Uh, I, I I don't see a lot of talent on the Augsburg side. I'm not going to lie. I, I can't see a way that they're able to rally up enough to challenge Bayern Munich in this one. But like I said, as always, Bayern Munich has some off the field stuff going on that could affect them. And you never know when a letdown will happen. And even at the Allianz arena, Bayern Munich is susceptible to once in a while, letting down and playing to the level of their opponents. I guess what we could do is take a look at how I think Thomas Tuchel is going to line up because Tuchel is very unpredictable, much like Julian Nagelsmann was. You never get a good vibe on what he's doing or who he plans on starting. I would think this week it's going to be a little bit of a mix. So if Matthijs De Ligt is healthy enough to start, I think he will get the nod. That's one way I will go. But let's start with the goalkeeper. Of course, it'll be Sven Ulreich. Manuel Neuer is not yet ready. And even though he is reportedly working very, very hard, uh, it is not a situation where Neuer looks like he'll be uh, in between the sticks for quite some time still in the, in that time, however, Bayern Munich appears to be set on signing Maccabi Tel Aviv's Daniel Peretz, who is expected to join the team this weekend. He will back up all right. He is a combination number three goalkeeper slash goalkeeper of the future. He's got physical traits 
that will allow Bayern Munich to line up closely to what Manuel Neuer brings to the table. However, there is no other Manuel Neuer. You have to find uh, someone in that unicorn level of goalkeeper to be able to do what he can do at his size and play the way that he plays, which absolutely frees up Bayern Munich to do a lot of things and play a little bit more freely. But we will see Ulrich between the sticks against Augsburg this weekend. At center back, I am going to go with Matthijs De Ligt and Dio Upamakano. Like I said about Kim Min Jay, I thought it was a good performance, but not necessarily one that I uh, would want to see him rolled out again over De Ligt if De Ligt is healthy. That's the big X factor here. Is De Ligt healthy? Is Kim Min Jay fit? Uh, I think it would be a good opportunity to get De Ligt and Upamakano some work together. And I really wouldn't mind the next pairing after this one being Delict and Kim Min Jay. I'm a big fan of rotating these three guys because I think it will help keep them all fresh and healthy. And ultimately, that's what you want by the time we get to the end of the season here. So I'll go with Delict and Upa Meccano. Left back, I'll go with Davies. Like I said, one of the best performances he's had. He limited, uh, and you know I've been really hard on him for this, his lost possessions last week. And, and granted, he still lost the ball a decent amount, but not nearly at the level he did previously. And he was much more dangerous going forward because he was much more under control in my mind. You can be disruptive without being wild. And I think once Davies is able to kind of contain himself and, and be able to focus and attack when necessary and play smart when necessary, I think he's going to get back to that level we saw him at when he was just younger a couple of years ago i felt like he had a much better grasp on how to control that but now a lot of times when we see him he's almost frenetic he doesn't know where he's going with the ball doesn't really have an idea what to do until he gets there and we know he's a much better player and a much smarter player than he has shown at times so last week was really encouraging to me i think the more and more performances that he can put together looking like that the closer he's going to be to being that disruptive force that we all know that he's capable of being on a regular basis. At right back, you don't have many options here. Josip Stanisic went off on loan to Bayer Leverkusen. Benjamin Pavar is about to be sold to Inter Milan if Bayern can find another option. So it's got to be Nusar Mizrahi. If somehow Mizrahi gets hurt, and let's be honest, his track record is not great with that, I guess it would be Bunusar who has also been banged up. But Conrad Limer could also be dusted off and played it right back as well. So Byron does have some options. They're not great. But given that Pavar is about to leave, it does seem like they're going to go out and try and buy another versatile defender to fill that void that Pavar is leaving. In the central midfield, this is where it gets interesting because we're coming off a very successful match for Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. However, I feel as if Tuchel just will not let Goretzka ride high on his horse there. He's going to chop him down a little bit. So we're going to see Kimmich and Limer. I could be totally off base on that. I just don't think Tuchel wants to give Goretzka that much credit for a good match just yet. And it sounds so stupid to say, and I'm just going off a hunch. I really hope that Tuchel can look at things objectively, but he has been extremely hard on Goretzka since he took over. And it just does seem like he wants to move on from him. And I, I don't know what the end game is with that strategy because he wants to move Kimmich to be the eight, but clearly the board right now does not want to play ball. They don't want to go out and spend money on getting a true defensive midfielder. So Tuchel's going to have to get used to the idea that Kimmich is the six and he's going to have to settle on who he trusts more, Leon Goretzka 
or Conrad Limer. And while I think Retzka has been better than Lima thus far, in just the you know the early stages of this season, I do think we will see Limer in this match. A very good matchup for Limer if he does play. He should be able to crash forward a little bit and get to show some of his skill against what should be an overmatched Augsburg side. Another interesting scenario is at wing. Ugh. Serge Gnabry has been a little bit banged up. Kingsley Coman obviously is one of those players who it's hard to believe he doesn't start whenever he's sitting on the bench. And Leroy Sané is coming off a brace, which was he really capped off an excellent game for him. At this point, I think I would go with Coman and Sané only because uh, I think Gnabry will get a little bit more rest, probably make a sub appearance. I would guess he'll come on for Coman. But yeah, I do think Coman and Sané will start the match and then we will see Gnabry play a significant amount either way. At the 10, <laughs> it won't be Jamal Musiala who is apparently battling a hamstring injury. I do think we'll see Thomas Muller finally. And this is what should be a very good tandem with Thomas Muller and Harry Kane starting at striker. So I think Muller and Kane were made to play with each other at this point. Wow, that sounded awful. But I really, what I really mean is that they could feed off each other and really complement each other's games. And I think Muller will know exactly how to set Kane up. I think Kane will be able to do a good job of recognizing that space that Muller naturally creates with his playing style and take advantage of it. I'm excited to see these two working together. I think this is going to be a great partnership. The big question for me is even if they have success, what happens when Musiala comes back? No one, and I mean nobody at the club, wants to do anything that would even somewhat tick Musiala off because I think the club knows it's in a very tenuous spot with him. And it's not questioning his loyalty, but he does have a lot of ties to England. And he is a dynamic talent. So if he's even the slight, slightest bit unhappy, and he doesn't like his situation, there's nothing that would stop him at, when nearing the end of his deal to start looking over at the Premier League. And I think that's the last thing that Byron wants. And I actually do think that it does play a role in the decision to keep rolling him out there. Uh, Thomas Muller, in my mind, has been better. And I'm again, I have to always state this because we have so many hashtag Muller Mafia members. I'm not in it. Like when he's good, he's good. When he's not, I, I call it out as well. But right now, over the course of every game <laughs> since the World Cup ended last winter, Muller, it seems, has been better. And he just seen I, I, I feel like this is a fit that needs to happen. And it doesn't mean you can't play Musiala. Obviously, Muller is going to have to rotate at his age. He's not going to be able to carry the full workload. Musiala, it can also act as that fourth winger in a rotation. There are ways to get him playing time and maybe get him in better positions. And I, I beat this drum all the time, play him at wing, let him get in one V ones, let him break down defenses from the outside in and create for other people. I know right now, Musiala has got a big focus on his finishing and he's trying to improve it. At least he was before he hurt his hamstring, but it's more than just finishing. That is his problem right now. His finishing has not been good, but his decision-making on the ball and forcing things has been even more of an issue in my mind. It's not to say he can't get back and he can't be that dynamic skilled presence that we all know he is, but let's be honest. He's a young kid. He hasn't been right in some time now. It, it's not the worst thing in the world for him to rest a little bit, get recharged and, and think about all those things that it made him a great player. 
and, and look to take advantage of those skills that he has developed over the years that allow him to be so effective. He needs to stop playing into the hands of defenders who know that he's slight, who know that he can be pushed around and beat up. He needs to get himself in those 1v1 opportunities where he can break down a defender and either go at goal himself or set someone else up. We have seen him do that over and over again. That is where he's most effective. I wish Thomas Tuchel would recognize that and not continue to push him in as the attacking midfielder where he just hasn't been as effective as you would like. So uh, still a bright future, still a lot of good things going for Musiala. But uh, in the end, over what is important for this season, him getting a little bit of a break, uh, even though it's through bad luck with a hamstring injury, it might not be the worst thing in the world to get him right. So that's how I think Bayern Munich's going to line up as far as a prediction on the match. I think Bayern's going to roll. I think it will be another 4-0 victory. I think we're going to see a good, strong uh, defensive effort from Bayern Munich. The one caveat I would say is that Mergen Barisha could find a way to, to, to create some havoc against Bayern Munich. He always seems to. So wouldn't shock me if they if they poke one in, but I think Bayern will be pretty dominant in this. And even though Harry Kane has missed some time at practice this week, I think he'll be ready to go. I think he'll be ready to work with Muller. And I think we're going to see continued uh, strong showing uh, that they they can build from what happened last week. And push that right through to this week where Bayern makes its Bundesliga home opener. So this should be a fun one. I think Bayern will go out. They'll win for nothing. And uh, we'll all be happy. And uh, BFW will be quite the uh, wonderland to be around as everyone celebrates how good Bayern Munich looks uh, after their game on Sunday. So that's about it for this episode. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom at Tommy Adam 71 You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get all of our wonderful podcasters and bloggers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Enjoy the match this weekend. Stay tuned. We'll be dropping the weekend warm-up podcast tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday. So check that out and then uh, gear up for the weekend. Uh, until you hear me on the weekend warm up, we'll see you next time.